It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John's still having a look at slightly favors the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! This is a big one for Scotland. Just a couple of days to go now until we take on Moldova. And a win would secure us a place in the playoffs for the World Cup in Qatar next winter. Still feels weird saying that next winter. I'm going to go ahead and say it, Gordon Sheik and Ben Ramage. It's a tall order because... We don't tend to complete clean sweeps over the bottom two seeded teams in our qualification groups. We've beaten the Faroes twice. We've beaten Moldova once already. So can we go one step further and get 12 from 12, which would, without making sure we're seeded or not, it would just mean that we're in the mix for the playoffs. In fact, confirmed for the playoffs uh, next March to get us to Qatar. We've got Denmark on Monday. We'll approach that when the time feels more pressing. But for just now, Ben, it's all eyes on Moldova. It feels... It does feel like it's a good fixture to come along at this rate. But Gordon tweeted earlier saying that he's relying on us to keep his feet on the ground. So shall we do that job for him <laughs> and let him know that this is exactly the sort of fixture that we need to approach with trepidation and caution as well as optimism? Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Um, I'm yet to get fully excited. I'm actually just still quite nervous at the moment. Um there's sort of serious once bitten, twice shy kind of vibes at the moment. I think we know what we've been like in really massive games and especially sometimes against smaller teams as well. What I love is that we've still got a game after this, which I think we all would have bitten your hand off at the start of the campaign to, to be able to qualify with a game in hand for the playoffs. You know, when was the last time we ever did that? So, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous, but fingers crossed. Gordon, you're forever glass half full, and I'm not trying to take that aspect of your personality away. I love it, but how are you feeling ahead of this one? Are you filling up to the brim, or are you kind of still midway? I am 
absolutely buzzing that it's finally here, that it's game week, it's international week, the squad is together, everyone is relatively fit and firing, ready to go. I'm, yeah, look, speaking as someone who did spend quite a lot of this weekend re-watching videos of Scotland v Israel from Hamden, just, just one of the best nights I've ever had at a Scotland game, you know, re-watched Byron Lynch's YouTube uh, compendiums, which are just phenomenal <laughs> videos. You know, I am fully buzzing, fully in the mood. Having said that, I I know that the nerves will massively kick in come five o'clock on Friday because it's there for us. You know, everything we've sort of dreamed of in this group, you know, from the very beginning, finishing second would be a massive achievement and a massive, massive accomplishment. We've spoken historically how massive an accomplishment that would be to finish second and get in a playoff. And it's there for us. It's right in front of us. All we have to do is go away from home to beat the 181st best team in the world. Sounds simple, but like you said, historically, again, taking a clean sweep from the bottom two seeds is not something we've traditionally done. You know, we've only done it once since we qualified for the World Cup in 98, and that was 2002. So, yeah, I think if there's any anxiety, and there will be anxiety, it's where are the goals going to come from on Friday? Obviously, Lyndon Dykes has become our talisman, scoring four goals for four games in a row. And he's suspended, which is a great shame. Christie's suspended. Ryan Fraser's dropped out injured. So the options up front are slim. And I'm sure we'll come on to it, but a certain new face might come in and make a name for himself on Friday night. I think that's where we begin, really. He's the main talking point. He's the, the main story. Kevin Nisbet. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's Jacob Brown. It's Jacob Brown of Stoke, who has been called up for the first time. And it doesn't really work on a podcast, but... Listeners as well, raise your hand if you had never heard of Jacob Brown when you noticed Scotland squad announcement. I'm going to do it right now. Ben, I want to see you do it. Gordon, I want to see you do it. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. And we've done a wee bit of uh, research, as everyone has. And yeah, he's in good form for Stoke at the moment. Uh, Saw a good interview with Lewis today at the SFA where he comes across as really um, excitable, um, but grounded as well, humble at the same time and eager to play for Scotland, which is always a bonus. There were a few... Uh, feathers ruffled with his call-up. Some people certainly still have a bit of an issue with the way that the international regulations allow for such call-ups these days, but it was his mum. is um, born in Glasgow. His mum's Scottish. So, yeah, there's more than enough of a strong link there. We've got plenty of players like that in the squad and have done down the years. Um, so, yeah, Jacob Brown. And I think the suspension to London Dykes and probably the uh, and Christie as well mean that he could be in line to start because, Ben, it's probably be- between him and Kevin Nisbet. Now, if we're talking about form and someone who's playing consistently quite well at a higher level, Jacob Brown's the only winner. I think what Kevin Nisbet's got in his corner is that he's played for Scotland before and he has actually scored. He scored against Holland, remember, in one of the warm-up games for the Euros. I'll take you through Brown's stats very briefly. Um, he's got five goals and five assists this season. He's actually on a bit of a hot streak at the minute for Stoke. He's contributed to six goals in his last six games, uh, whereas Kevin Nisbet who, yes, we do know he's, he's a fine goal scorer, um, is playing 90 minutes almost every week for Hibs, but has only scored scored two goals this season. So he's not quite the Nisbet that we knew last season and a lot of people were calling to be included in the squad. Yeah, it's a it's a very big call. I've actually gone for Nisbet in my starting 11. Like, as, as you said, he's got nine caps. Well, he has got nine caps and he's got a goal. I, I'm just not sure if this is the game that you throw in an uncapped player because we know historically how nerve-wracking these kind of games will be maybe the fact that he's to- that uh, Jacob Brown sorry is totally new to this and just totally excited and doesn't have that sort of weight of history on his shoulders 
maybe that will play into his hands. I think it depends if Clark wants to go with two recognised strikers. I feel like Brown's maybe not really a number nine in that kind of respect. So he might be the one that plays maybe off Adams. Um, it'll be very interesting. I've got absolutely no qualms with him being called up whatsoever. I always feel like I'm quite well placed when this kind of debate always comes up because my dad is Scottish, but my mum is English. Um, and to me, if someone gets called up, that means that they qualify. So I don't really see an issue and I don't really see why people need to make a case of whether someone's Scottish enough or not, if, if that's what they want to do. He obviously wants to play for Scotland. You saw in the interviews that have come out how much it means to him and his family, you know, how much that he wants to play for them. I have no, absolutely no issue with that. He's 23, really good age. Um, as you've said, he's scoring uh, pretty regularly in the championship. He's playing in front of, you know, I think their average attendance is 20,000. So that's that's quite a lot of pressure to play in front of as well, arguably more than Nisbet is at the moment. So you can make a case for both. I'm going on the side of caution with Nisbet, but totally expect him to to come on and make his debut. Yeah, Gordon, you go by the criteria. I think it's, it's a three-pronged criteria. Are they eligible? Do they want to play for Scotland? And what's the third one? Would they add something to the team? Yeah, something. And I think all three of those are probably ticked here, especially in the current situation up front with you know, the suspensions to Christian, especially Dykes, who has been the one that we've been relying on recently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I actually am probably minded that I think Jacob Brown will start on Friday night. I think something else that's in his favour is that Stoke do seem to play with a 3-5-2 uh, this season under Michael O'Neill, where he's where Jacob Brown is sort of playing alongside Stephen Fletcher. Well, just just front, to, so. to, to interject there on that point, Gordon, just looking at his transfer marked, all but one of his league appearances this season have come classed as centre forward. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think in terms of actually slotting in easily into the existing system that Steve Clark plays, I think that's massively in his favour, and really. If 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 Brown doesn't start, the only other way that I would see maybe Steve Clark going with it is perhaps going with a sort of a kind of box four in midfield, maybe with Gilmore McGregor and then McGinn and maybe Armstrong playing trying to as as eights just behind Shea Adams. Um, but interestingly, I put out a poll on the Tartan Scarf about half an hour ago with those two options. So our normal formation with uh, Brown and Adams up front, or the other one with uh, McGinn and Armstrong behind Adams. And I've had about 200 votes and 80% are going with Jacob Brown starting. Yeah, they're, they're, that's the thing with a new player when they get called up. Everyone's quite curious, especially exactly. when they're an unknown. People are excited to see um, what they're going to bring to the team. It was the same with Anya back in the day. Like, yeah. who the hell is a catchy Anya? And he, and he won his over really pretty quickly, didn't he? So it could be the same with Brown if he goes and gets as an important goal uh, in Chisnell. Um, this Did weekend. you see um, some, something, something that really made me laugh is someone posted a screenshot of the uh, the Google search trends of Jacob Brown and <laughs> you can see the graph just spike in Scotland <laughs> on the day that the squad got announced, which I did find quite funny. Because yeah, as, as you said, I had never heard of him and I'm sure we a lot were of people all doing it, yeah. We were all doing <laughs> but yeah, it. Yeah, I think that Dykes will come back into the fold against Denmark that's probably a certainty, but we'll come to that when, when the time's right. But for now, it's between Nisbet and Brown. So you two have both got your foot in opposite camps. Um, take preference out of the way. What do you actually think Clark might do, fellas? I, I think that he will start Jacob Brown, personally. I think so. I, th- I, th- I think so as well. I, th- I think the system that they've drilled into them of the two up front is they've worked on that for so long. I mean, 
obviously there was the first game of the Euros against the Czech Republic where, you know, we fully expected the two up front and it wasn't. But I think playing the Czech Republic at major finals versus playing Moldova away from home is a completely different scenario. So I fully see two up front. I think Ryan Fraser, Ben, he might have been in with a shout if he didn't decide that he wasn't able to make it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, one of the things that we might come to talk about is that Pharaohs game and he really didn't work in the end at right wing back. Um, I'm not sure where his best position is for us anymore. He really worked playing off Dykes um, those few games when they linked up really well. But even that hasn't really happened the last few times he's played. So I'm not not 100% on Fraser anymore, where he really fits into the system. Um, I, I, to be, I still think that Nisbet will start because I think he's got that experience. And I think this is such a nerve-wracking game. Um, there's so much pressure on it. Um, but you could, I could see either. I could see Brown coming in. I think that Nisbet's confidence levels might be what gets in the way of him getting a start. Perhaps I know that generally he's he's a very quiet, kind of shy boy. Um, I don't I don't know at all if Jacob Brown is like that or not, or if he's quite a an extrovert in the changing room. I'm really not sure. Um, but if he comes in and makes a name for himself, and he's quite noisy around the place, and you know. Sometimes the I know from playing boys club football, myself, the quieter you are in a change room, the smaller, the lower chance you have of getting picked. Um, and I think that uh, Kevin, that's bit may have to maybe step forward a wee bit. I think if he wants to grasp this jersey while it's available, um, because Brown's coming in here with a bit of momentum behind him at club level, and as Gordon's just explained a minute ago, not that Clark really takes any notice of of this, but I think there's a bit of a bit of a swell to to see him included in the starting lineup against Moldova. Now the other. The other big well, story, I suppose, the talking point from the squad announcement is that Hanley, unfortunately, can't make it once more. He's got a groin problem, which uh, means that John Suter has been called up to replace him. I think that's something that a few people would have been calling for anyway, to see him included from the start. Um, maybe over Scott McKenna, for example. Uh, ben, have <laughs> you got anything you want to say there? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, just... Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, it's just delighted to see him back again. It's kind of like Craig Gordon similar vibe to that you know he and, and it's come out in an interview you know that he was saying that he might he thought he might never play football again let alone play at international level and he's you know he said that playing for Scotland is you know his greatest achievement so even just on a human level it's actually just really nice to see him back even if he doesn't play just to be in the squad you saw Robertson speaking about how glad he is to have him back in the squad he's obviously quite well liked he's still at a really good age so I still think he can be a really good player for Scotland if he stays fit but yeah, just delighted to see him back in the squad. I think his last appearance was away to Israel when he was sent off. I could be wrong yep. with that, but yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah he was sent off. So under McLeish, so three years ago since Suter has been able to play for Scotland, I think it was Levine that was in the radio, I think in the run-up to the Euros or the first round of international games this season when we had Denmark and away in Moldova at home, where Levine was saying if John Suter had stayed fit, he would have at least 30 caps by now because he would have got his move to a bigger club a couple of seasons ago etc so yeah it's good to see him um, starting to build his way back into the squad even if it is at the expense of another player I'm sure that eventually it will become a regular fixture in, in those selections I think what it it's like he's unlikely to start Gordon I think we can recognise that because Jack Kendry now is surely going to move into the middle of the back three um, with Tierney who's okay by all accounts after a wee bit of injury concern there on the left and probably McTominay on the right yeah, absolutely. I, th- I, th- I think the back three, should they all be fit and ready, will be Tierney and then Hendry in the middle and then McTominay on the right, but purely because you don't want to make too many changes. And I think in a game like 
this one where we are hopefully going to dominate possession, you want to have your best ball players who can carry the ball out and create overloads in midfield. And that's Kieran Tierney, that's Scott McTominay. I think John Suter, I think it's fantastic to see him back in the squad. I think we've often bemoaned the perhaps lack of options we've got at right-sided centre-back. You know, obviously that's part of the reason why McTominay's playing there in the first place is because there were no better options at the time. And, you know, John Suter, he went away, obviously, with, was it the really bad Achilles injury he got? But he clearly spent so much time in the gym, so much time working. His upper body is massive now, matching his lower body. Like, he is the, looks like the complete package now. And he's, he can win the ball, he can pass the ball. Um, and yeah, I'm delighted to see him back. And you're right, I don't think he will play in this group, in this camp, but um, a really, really good option to have in the future. And hopefully he continues to grow at Hearts and maybe goes beyond. To his right, it's going to be either Nathan Patterson or Stephen O'Donnell. Now, this is a recycled debate. Patterson seems to have got his nose in front, I think, at the minute, given the contribution he's made over the last few camps. Helped set up Dykes' winner against Moldova at Hamden and then put in the great cross for Dykes um, away to the Pharaohs there uh, when we won 1-0. He won't be able to link up with the same guy. Again, obviously, Dykes is suspended. But Pat- in a game that we need to go and win, is Patterson the better option, Ben, or do you think that Clark will side with O'Donnell? Yeah, I've always... I, you know, we've gone over it so many times with this debate. I've always backed Stephen O'Donnell. You know, I like him and I think he's a very solid right back. But in this kind of game, when creating that little bit of space and creating that little moment where we might score as as he produced in the Pharaohs, to me, that is the key. And that and just take into the fact the future as well. You know, Patterson is going to be our future right wing back for years. So. I, I would be starting with him this time. I think his delivery and his sort of aggression going forwards, I think that could actually be really crucial because they are most likely going to be sitting in and it's going to be about how do we unlock that defence and he he could be a really big element in uh, unpicking that. Gordon, do you think that it matters that he and Gilmore as well, given that they're not really playing are selected because you, you asked a question that you and Taylor's asking on Twitter are places for Gilmore and Patterson assured despite playing just 23 minutes of first team football between them since we played the Pharaohs yes they are I, th- I, th- I think they absolutely are I think I think the given that they were in the Euro squad given that they've been in the squads since and they've been playing for Scotland and more than that they've been really impressing for Scotland I think the the flags have been planted in the ground that these two guys are important to the future of this Scotland team and I think that means that the, the amount of minutes they're getting at club football I, I don't think it matters anymore I think they've shown their value and their potential in this Scotland side goes way 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 beyond what they may be doing with their clubs um, and obviously look we, we'd love to see Nathan Patterson and Billy Gilmore playing more football and maybe a change of management at Norwich might see Billy get more game time at, at Norwich but just given how good they are for Scotland, I see no argument for for dropping them or replacing them in the, in the Scotland team. None. I think maybe an eyebrow might have been raised, Ben, this time that Anthony Ralston wasn't called up. Now, I put forward the argument um, it was because he started the season well for Celtic um, as the as the reliable deputy, really. He, he was. It felt like he was not going to be the first choice right back beyond the end of the transfer window and even Halloween, but there he is, with four goals to his name and, and an improving Celtic team. Now, when we were questioned on this last time, I can't remember if it was the pod or just generally in conversation with a mate, but I put forward the argument that he's doing well and excelling in a very specific style for Celtic under new management. 
what he's doing well with at the moment is completely and utterly different to what Steve Clark would ask of him. So do you think maybe that's why Ralston, despite his good form, hasn't been included? And do you think Clark's uh, loyalty to players like O'Donnell, who haven't let him down, uh, means that he's going to have to wait until there's a mistake made or O'Donnell messes up before he gets a chance? Yeah, I think Ralston, like you say, is playing in a very attacking team, a team that's generally going to have most of the ball. For Scotland, it is slightly different. You, there needs to be a bit more of an onus on defence, and I think that's why O'Donnell is there. I think Patterson is like a special case in that he's like a special talent, so you make an exception that he's maybe not quite as good defensively um, as he is going forward. I think Ralston must be really close. He's definitely going to be knocking on the door, and he's still that young that he's, you know, there's plenty of time for him to still be involved. And O'Donnell is coming to the end of his career, so he's not going to be around for very much longer, you wouldn't think. So I'm sure Ralston will be in with a shout very soon. I think at the moment, Patterson is ahead of him in that pecking order. And O'Donnell is the dependable and very capped right back as well. That's, you know, more solid, a more solid choice when we need a bit more defensive mindedness. Gordon, Andy Lang from Alba Mater is in the comments asking about the special, uh, here, commas, special creativity in the squad. Now, I think what he means by that is that if we play McGregor and Gilmore together uh, as the two deeper midfielders, as they have been for the last wee while, with McGinn just in front with two strikers, we don't have a playmaker really pushing forward to break the lines. McGinn is an attacking midfielder, but he's not a, a playmaker. He's not a creative eye, really. He's a bit of a bulldozer going forward. He can get on the end of um, cutbacks and, and score important goals, right? Whereas perhaps if we play the box that you were on about earlier, that could be Armstrong alongside McGinn behind one striker rather than Brown and Adams playing together up there. So do you think that there is somebody in the squad or maybe not in the squad, if you want to come to that now, that could be a midfield spark for Scotland that maybe we don't have at the minute? Turnbull's in there. He's got um, a lot of creativity about him. How trustworthy he is at the moment to provide that is maybe up in the air. Um, apart from that, it's Lewis Ferguson, really, who is a more of a box-to-box midfielder. He's not some, he's not really a playmaker. Kenny McLean sits a bit deeper as well. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think if I if I was to read in between the lines of that question, I think he's hinting at a certain Mister Mister Gold out in Canada, um, which again is a conversation that will continue to roll on as he continues to impress over there. I think what I would say is you look at the way that Scotland have scored a lot of our goals recently, you look at the way that we've created a lot of our chances and we, we're tending to play to the strengths that we have out wide, you know, and a lot of that is, you know, you've got Tierney bringing it forward, you've got Robertson making runs, you've got Patterson out wide on the right and then playing either crosses or we're playing good balls into the channel. And sometimes that can also mean, you know, when you're playing with two up front, sometimes it's one of them dropping out of that forward position and I guess that, that you have that freedom to play that way when you are playing with two up front. Because if you've only got one striker and that striker comes deep, you're relying on people to go beyond him. Whereas a lot of time, you know, you look at the goals we scored against Israel, Shea Adams was the one who was maybe dropping out of the box, playing little interchanges with Robertson, and then that was leading then to Dykes getting chances. So I would very much like to see Adams or Brown taking their turn, dropping deeper to create those chances and dropping into space. Um, yeah, that, that, that that's what I'd like to see. But, you know, I think you're right. We, we, we probably don't create many chances through the middle, but that's maybe just because we're trying to play to our strengths elsewhere. 
Ben, how do you feel about this conversation? Because it's one that's not really going to go away anytime soon, I think. Yeah, I think as um, I think Gordon hit the nail on the head in terms of where our attacks come from. You know, our two best players are our left back and our left wing back. So a lot of our creativity comes down that wing. Um, McGinn, as you allude to, is is much better breaking forward, I think, and getting on the end of chances. You know, he's our top scorer, I think, over the the last probably 10, 15 uh, games. I think I'm looking at the Faroes game when we just went with one up front and Christie kind of playing off. I didn't, it just didn't work. And for me, when you're playing a team like Moldova, you need strikers up front. You need those goal scorers that are, that are going to give you more chances to score with if the ball's breaking in the box. You know, for, for me, I want to see us load in the box and against Moldova, you know, get down the wings, get the ball in the box. We don't need to try and pass our way through them. It's, it's, it's much harder to pass through a team that is sitting 10 men behind the ball. I think if we play with two up front, it gives us a lot more chance of having more scoring opportunities. And then, you know, likelihood is you've got more chance of scoring. Yeah, OK. Yeah, so fair point. Um, I think that the, the midfield situation, as we touched on recently, we do have a load of centre mids, but but there are none that that are that sort of diminutive number 10 can pick the lock sort of centre mids. The one that occupies that shot, as we've just touched on, is John McGinn who is more of a midfielder that, yeah, as you said, Ben wants to burst forward and get in the end of chances and, and kind of put himself about. Um, and it will be seen whether it will be Turnbull. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I mean, you you look at some of the passes that Billy Gilmore has played for Scotland. Like he he's often looking forward to thread those needles. You know, the way that we the way that we won the corner that we got the winning goal from against Israel came from Billy Gilmore taking the ball in midfield and not just playing the simple pass to, to the wing back out wide, but zipping a ball into Lyndon Dykes' feet and in, just inside the box. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Gilmore's got that in his locker. It's a fair point. It's, a, it's an absolutely fair point. Um, and as long as he and McGregor are fit, then you've got people. And I suppose McLean is, is capable. I think he's a, he's a baller there that can sit in the one of the two deeper midfield positions. But you've got people that can dictate the tempo of a game. Gilmore has started doing it almost immediately. And Callum McGregor, oh, Callum McGregor, by the way, who if he plays on Friday, will have won his 40th cap. His debut came against uh, the Netherlands at Pitodri in 2017 or 18, 2017, I think it was. Yeah, Marky McCann came in charge, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so four years ago and 40 caps. Um, he's absolutely raced to that, to be honest. He's been a pretty much a constant pick since he made his debut, hasn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah, so Cal McGregor and Billy Gilmore there. Yeah, they've they've got the capability to to run a game, um, but uh, Grant Campbell, um, working to the new normal in his Twitter name, is uh, and they mentioned saying <laughs> this this is probably one for more our concern than Steve Clark and the squads. To be honest, what lessons does Scotland need to learn from the Pharaohs game so that Friday's game is less stressful for all concerned? Gordon. Yeah, God, I, I saw that question earlier and I still don't know what the answer is, to be honest. I mean, scoring in the first half might be <laughs> might be a good way of uh, reducing the pressure. Um, yeah, because like I, I think these games, you know, niggly away games against lower ranked opposition, they're always horrible experiences. Like there's no real way to, teams don't tend to get hammered anymore. Um, but I guess I would say that, you know, Moldova, are not, I don't think they're on the same level as the Faroe Islands. I think the Faroe Islands home and away actually really quite impressed me with a lot of their technical ability on the ball and they created plenty of chances. Moldova at Hamden didn't. I mean, we beat them 1-0 easily, comfortably, could have been more, should have been more. Um, I think, yeah, 
I think I would like to see us stick with two strikers because I think what happened against the Pharaohs was Dykes Dykes was a bit isolated. You know, it didn't. I, I don't. I don't think it worked as well as it should have. Um, so yeah, keep two strikers and just keep the faith. But but you know, I, I guess that 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 was a really good thing about the Faroe Islands game that that the team didn't lose lose hope that they would do it and they kept the faith and they created a good chance and they they worked the ball well and it wasn't a long ball shellacked into the box that was fought for and a second ball was poked in. It was a it was a good goal. I know it was a fortunate finish in the end, but it was a well-worked goal. Ben, is there anything you can look to from the Pharaohs game and say, hopefully that's a lesson learned? Well, I think we started that game with Fraser, obviously a right wing back as well, which I don't think, as we sort of spoke already about, that that's his best position. I don't think it particularly worked. Um, I think we have enough players now that we don't need to put square pegs in round holes anymore. We've, you know, play players in their best position. I think we miss McGregor because McGregor didn't start that game. And McTominay, to me, doesn't impress as much at centre mid as he does in the back three for Scotland. So I would argue that maybe he should be put back to defence and have McGregor back in. I, I think play our best players in our best positions. Um, would definitely help. And as we've sort of talked about as well, play two strikers up front, give us more options up front. I don't want one striker up front against three centre-backs getting isolated, getting outnumbered, and the the second player not close enough to him. You know, we don't need to play like that against a team like Moldova. It's actually very defensive to play three centre-backs and one striker against a team like Moldova. I actually think that Scott McTominay might be a tad fortunate Grant Hanley's injured here because otherwise I'm not sure he starts this game, to be honest. I think that Hendry and Hanley are the two best options for us in that position with Gilmore and McGregor having locked themselves in, Gordon, uh, just in front of them in the deep-lying midfield position. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But then I also think that, you know, this profile of game where we are expected to have most of the possession is probably the kind of game where you'll see the best of Scott McTominay at right centre-back because he will be able to concentrate on bringing the ball out, pick playing passes between the lines. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with Ben, by the way, that I think Scott McTominay's played his best football for us at right centre-back, not in midfield. Because, again, that was something that we saw in the Pharaohs where he was involved a lot and he had a... He, found himself in shooting positions quite a few times, but I, I just don't think it was his best game at all. Yeah. Guys, Scotland's performances in the second half of games recently, I think have been marketedly better than the ones in the first. We seem to have struggled to hit our stride pretty early in games. I suppose that flies in the face of what happened against Moldova last time when Dyke scored in the first quarter of an hour of the game, I believe, didn't he, after Nathan Patterson mm-hmm. ran forward. Um, but generally, Scotland have had to come from behind or salvage situations recently or leave it late to eventually get the winning goal. Now, it would be real nice if they were able to <laughs> arrest that uh, that trend uh, against Moldova on Friday night, Gordon, because I think it's a fair point that um, your pal that texts you saying that, um, yeah, Scotland do seem to struggle to slip into third, fourth, fifth gear until the hour mark or so sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is certainly a recognisable issue that we've had, that we've conceded and gone behind and had to fight our way back, or we've just not really had a very good first half. Um, it was a guy, Andy O'Donnell, who who put that on Twitter that I, I picked up just there. Um, yeah, it, it's something that we, we do need to think about. Although I guess the one thing that's maybe giving me optimism is that if you look at the games in the last year when the stakes have been at their highest and 
you know, that has often coincided with the times that our first half performance has actually been quite good. You know, I'm thinking Serbia away. I'm thinking Austria away. We were pretty decent in the first half. Um, I'm thinking England Wembley. in the Euros. Yeah, England in the Euros. We were phenomenal in the first half. So it, it's really, really, really important that we come out with the right attitude, the right confidence, the right intensity. I think hopefully the fact that, you know, this is the first game of the of the week as well. You know that hopefully that could play into it as well. That you know we're just we're going to hit the ground running. Um, that we're not carrying injuries or carrying knocks or whatever from the game before. But yeah, God, if if we could get to halftime on Friday and be one two nil ahead. Um, although I've got to say, you know, looking back at um, Moldova's previous games, even though you know they've only picked up one point in this group so far, generally when they've lost games, they've, the goals have tended to come after halftime. So. If it is nil-nil halftime, that would probably follow what pretty much every Moldova game in this group has looked like. And once one goal comes, that's when sometimes two, three and four can follow. Okay. Now, I think that the three of us are all on the same page that we prefer to focus on the people that will actually be playing uh, on Friday and maybe Monday. But when I put out the call to arms for questions this afternoon... The names Johnny Russell and Ryan Gold featured heavily in the mentions, so I think it's fair that we have to touch on that. They're not included. Again, there's a lot of calls for Ryan Gold to be included um, since he really hit his stride uh, in Portugal playing for Ferenc. Uh, and Johnny Russell is is on absolute fire at the moment in MLS this season. He's got a goal every two games, but I think he's scored in about a dozen in a row or something like that anyway, um, and is assisting pretty heavily as well. Gold has helped turn around the fortunes of Vancouver uh, Whitecaps since he went over. I think they've reached the playoffs. He's got almost 10 goal contributions already. Now, I think that it's a fair argument to say that when are these two, or when is Gold going to get shot and when might Johnny Russell come back? Especially given the striking situation at the moment, actually, it might be a surprise that Johnny Russell hasn't been included in this one, Ben. Um, but Gold, it just seems to be that it's a, a queue system and he'll get his chance when he's ready. But would you have had him in now? I think when you look at the two, I think Russell, you could have made a really strong case, uh, especially looking at goal scoring. You know, he's called up Brown. Um, we don't know what he's going to be like at international level. There's always that step up and we don't know how they're going to react to it. Whereas Russell has played for Scotland. I'm pretty sure he's played for Scotland already. Mm-hmm. Um, scored. And yeah, and- scored in San Marino. Yeah, so surprised that he wasn't. Um, again, we don't know how close they were. Um, you, there must be some sort of list, you know, some sort of pecking order that is getting worked down. I'm surprised that he wasn't. Um, I, th- I thought Russell had a really good shot of being into this squad. Gold, as we kind of touched on, it might just be the pecking order that Turnbull is still Clark's favourite in that position as the playmaker coming off the bench. But when you look at what Gold is doing, you must think that the the clock is coming down on when he's actually going to be, you know, not avoidable. I think for someone, as you're looking at someone to unpick a lock, someone that can create something out of nothing, say it was nil-nil at Moldova at 60 minutes and we needed someone to come on and create something, you know, is there a better player that can play for Scotland in that position at the moment? I'm not sure. Armstrong, again, there's maybe an argument there um, in terms of him playing in the Premier League, but... I, gold must be getting closer. I think at the, at the weekend, Southampton's win over Villa, I think it was, that was Stuart Armstrong's first start in the Premier League this season, which I was absolutely gobsmacked at, to be honest. I had no idea that he'd fallen onto the bench to that regard anyway. 
Um, Gordon, Mike Brown is on Twitter, I suppose kind of touching on this point, and he says, why doesn't Clark use spaces in his squad to call up players to have a look? Now, we know that um, he's a man that is very loyal to the players that haven't let him down, and he's spoken publicly about the importance of the boys that turn up knowing they're probably not going to play. So David Turnbull, Kenny McLean, those sort of boys. Kevin Nisbet, although he might get his chance this time. McKenna is another one. But Mike Brown saying, wouldn't more competition make the team better rather than maintaining consistency of people consistently not getting a game for Scotland? So should you bring in Ryan Gold or Johnny Russell or maybe Liam Henderson um, to give them a crack at training with the guys and it might light a fire under some of the others that aren't quite forcing their way into the reckoning? Yeah, I think I think there's certainly logic in that. Um, I, I think you would probably say that you know Clark is, um, you know he he certainly see he's he's obviously trying to create this club mentality with the group, and he's trying to create this consistency that they'll continue learning the system and developing it together. And I would argue that you know guys like Lewis Ferguson and David Turnbull, they are those they are those players in those positions that are the ones who are younger looking more to the future that are biding their time from within the squad. And if the, if the chance opens up for them, they're ready because they've been training with the squad for a very long time. They've been in several camps in a row. Um, yeah, it, 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 it is a hard one though. It's a really difficult one though. I, th- I think I was, I was particularly surprised with, with Johnny Russell. I thought in a term, in a kind of break glass in case of emergency situation with Christie with Dyke suspended with now Fraser out you know, a guy who has, I think he's got about 13 caps for Scotland. He was in Clark's first, at least his first group, maybe his second camp as well. You know, and a guy that's just on unbelievable form. I thought that you almost couldn't ignore that. But, you know, as we said, he's gone with uh, with with Jacob Brown. And, you know, Jacob Brown is obviously only 23, whereas Johnny Russell's, I think, 30, 31. So Brown is presumably going to have a, a longer career ahead of him for Scotland. So... Yeah, it, it's it's a difficult situation, but look, I, th- I think the, these are the kind of conversations that always come back if a result goes awry. You know, if we if we don't get the result we want against Moldova, you people will not hesitate in bringing up these names that could have made a difference. And might they have made a difference? You can never know. Well, Gordon, you always have your ear to the ground and your eyes on the laptop screen for the permutations of what the upcoming games might mean for Scotland. Now, we know that if Scotland win, the playoff place is secured. But we won't know until after the Denmark game, until this international break is complete, if Scotland will be seeded or not. And actually, shockingly, off the top of my head, I don't know when the draw is for the playoffs, do you? Uh, I do, I do. Um, The draw for the playoffs is uh, Friday the 26th of November. Oh, right, so pretty soon then. Okay, so the playoffs are in March, um, and we'll know after the game or after the international break if Scotland are seeded or not now seeded means home tie um, for the semi-final um, yep. but there are some nations that are neck and neck with each other to try and get themselves automatically qualified and just to get themselves into the playoffs I mean the one that jumps out at me the most is Group B Sweden and Spain now Sweden are top on 15 Spain are second on 13 they've both played six games and they play each other in this break so that could really well that would you think it would be a decider unless Spain can win the first one and then slip up in their in their second game. Um, but Gordon, you've got a bit of a magnifying glass on the permutations and what Scotland might need to do to get the home draw if if we can beat Moldova on Friday. 
Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the the playoff picture as it stands right now would have Scotland seeded uh, going into those playoffs. Um, the only other thing to flag up though is that the the venue for the final, the playoff final, that will be decided at random. So if you recall for the Euro 2020 playoffs, we knew that we had the playoff semi-final against Israel and we knew that we would be playing the winner of Norway or Sweden away from home, just depending on which one of those teams won. So yes, we we, we can get seeded for the playoffs and that would mean a Hamden game in March. As it stands right now, the, the teams that you're looking at being seeded are Portugal, Switzerland, us, Spain, Poland, Croatia, and the unseeded teams are the Czech Republic, Norway, Romania, Ukraine, and then the two teams that are joining from the Nations League are Wales and Austria, and those Nations League teams will be unseeded no matter what. So the task ahead of us is that we need to finish ahead of four of the, four of the groups in qualifying out of a total of 10. Now, you also have to bear in mind that what they do is for the six team groups that we are we are in one of them, they take the, the your results against the team that finished bottom. So it's not necessarily your bottom seed, it's the team that finished bottom. And the results against that get wiped out. So that means that we can be compared like for like with the teams, uh, the groups from uh, five team groups. So as it stands for us right now, that's looking like Moldova will finish bottom of the group. So our 1-0 win at home and whatever we do on Friday will be taken away from us so as it stands right now obviously we've got 17 points um but you have to consider that is 14 points when you take away that moldova win which means then that in this uh, in this group the maximum points we can finish with in terms of getting seeded is 17 points now i've looked through all of the groups and i've looked through all of the points that the the groups are likely to end up on and groups D, E, and J are looking good for us in terms of finishing ahead of them. Uh, group D is the uh, group with France, Ukraine, Finland, and Bosnia. Ukraine, Finland, and Bosnia are on nine, eight, and seven points, respectively. That's very much looking like we've got enough to finish ahead of them. Uh, group E is the group with Czech Republic and Wales, who are fighting it out for, that, for the playoff spot. Um, and again, we've, we're likely enough likely to have enough to finish ahead of them and group j is the group with uh romania north macedonia and armenia who are all on 13 and 12 points um fighting for the playoff behind germany um and again it's looking like we've probably got enough to finish ahead of them no matter what the issue is that we still need to finish ahead of one more group and that means that we're probably going to need at very least a draw probably a win uh against Denmark on Monday night to be seeded in the playoffs. Um, now, what I'll do is on the Tartan Scruff Twitter, I will I will keep you updated with threads each night of this week of the of the results to look out for, basically, and what they mean for us getting seeded in the playoffs. But I have to feel like it feels a bit unlikely that it's going to happen for us, um, which, which, which would be a real shame because I, I think, you know, I know, Andy. You've 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 spoken in the past about Scotland's home record in competitive games is actually phenomenally good. You know, we've only really lost against teams like Belgium, Russia, Netherlands, Spain, Italy, Germany in recent years. So you'd like to think we'd have a good chance of getting through a home game. And I think either way, whatever happened in that home game, I'd like to think that you know, obviously, it'd be a sellout and that at the end of the game, there'd be similar to the Israel game, there'd be a lap of honour, and we'd all get to 
celebrate this team because I think one of the best things you've seen in recent times is the the closeness between the fans and this team has, has been phenomenal and it's gotten better and better. You know, there's there's a, a quote actually that I want to throw at you from um, if you're fans of the, the American version of The Office, it's towards the end of the series, the character Andy Bernard, he says that, you know, he wishes there was a way of knowing you were in the good old days before, <laughs> before you left them, you know? So rather than being left to reminisce on the good times. And that's exactly how I feel about following Scotland right now. That I, I think this has been probably the best time I can ever remember following Scotland. So getting a playoff will be a massive achievement, regardless of what happens in March. Yeah, yeah. Get, getting to the playoff would be would be one thing. Getting to the World Cup would be a completely different ballgame, uh, given that only 13, I think it's 13 European nations make it. It's quite a frightening prospect, to be honest, as actually making it through that. But Ben, I got in touch in the home form. Let me put your attention on some of the away games then that we've picked up big results in recently. Let's put Denmark to one side, okay? They, they're a team firing on all cylinders, absolutely blew us away, uh, especially in the first half over in Copenhagen in September. But going back to Serbia last year, Wembley and the Euros, and then Austria just recently, three big away games where we've come through with two wins, albeit one on penalties, and an impressive draw against the team that eventually got to the final of the Euros. So I'm wondering that maybe if we get an away draw, um, without, and I know that the, the support can can roar on and encourage the team as well as we probably saw against Israel. But when the pressure's on, sometimes it can make it harder for the players too. Maybe playing in an opposition's own den um, with the spotlight slightly off them might help things. Yeah, there's. I mean, clutching at straws a little bit, um, <laughs> but I think yeah, there's certainly less pressure away from home. And it, I think it really did help us in that Serbia game because we were underdogs and we kind of went into it with no pressure. Um, and we really scared them, I think, in the first half. We, the intensity was phenomenal. And as we've talked about already on this podcast, you know, we, we played really well in big games, big occasions, because I think the quality of player that we have now, we have a lot of winners. We have a lot of boys like Robertson, Tierney, that, that don't, they don't accept defeat. You know, they, they don't go out there and think, oh, we're not as good as this team. So home or away, I think we do have a really good chance of getting through the semi. I think to get through the two legs, likelihood is that you'd be playing a very, very good team in the final. It's, it's obviously a massive ask. I think we've touched on it that the playoff is, is a really good achievement for this group to, to get to that stage, having not done it for so far, for so long, sorry. Um, but yeah. I would love to get a home semi because I think I think the crowd and the intensity and yeah, just everything about it. Maybe put the Euros to bed a little bit as well. This that really felt to me like a bit of a missed opportunity, the Czech game uh, and the Croatia game. I think yeah, it'd be nice to have a home tie. Given you're newly engaged, Ben, I suppose you're quite regularly getting semis at home right now. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what? Very well played. <laughs> Linking back to a chat that we had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll leave it on that note then. Uh, and we'll, be on, uh, we'll be back uh, over the weekend with hopefully a very positive review of what's happened on Friday night in Chisinau when Scotland have secured a playoff spot. Yeah. And we'll wait and see what happens with the seedings. Do you know, can I, can I, can I just say, say one final thing before we wrap yes. up? And it's the, it is one of the other things that's giving me fear in terms of sort of being stuck between a rock and a hard place with 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 these final two games and it's the disciplinary rules and it's the suspensions potentially because as we've had confirmed since um it was you and robertson uh, the journalist who got in touch with uefa and did confirm that 
suspensions will carry on into the playoffs. And currently, right now, we have quite including some really important ones who are one yellow card away from a suspension. So the challenge we've got is that if these guys get booked in Moldova, they then miss the Denmark game, which then makes it harder for us to win the Denmark game, which makes it harder for us to get seeded for the playoffs. But if they get booked against Denmark, then they'd miss the first uh, playoff game. So even even if they, even if we then beat Denmark, get seeded, get the home game for the for the playoff semi final, we could then be missing players, which would be horrendous. Now, look, I, I think the rule is utter nonsense because I mean, how can you say over a ten game process, someone yeah. gets a yellow card in game number one and a yellow card in game number two, and that adds up to suspension? That's bonkers. But the players we're looking at right now are Jack Hendry, Stephen O'Donnell, Andy Robertson, Nathan Patterson, John McGinn, Billy Gilmore, Kevin Nisbet, Che Adams. There's a lot of players in there that you would not want to be missing either for Denmark or for a playoff. So that's giving me a bit of the fear. Since when did you assume the role of Grim Reaper on this podcast? I know, I know. Yeah. Tell me about it. But that, that, that's one that I can't, I can't positive my way around that. It's no. no, there is nothing positive to say about that. I suppose it's just a situation of crossing bridges when we come to them. Um, if somebody gets booked and we try and find a contingency plan, and we've got yeah. a squad deep enough now, I think, to try and resolve selection issues like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, if five or six of those boys end up getting booked, then yeah, we might be in a bit of trouble. I think, I, th- I think, I think. To be honest, my, I've, I've been wrestling with this in my head, and I think the only way that I can rationalise it is if we're beating Moldova, it means that we've got the playoff, and obviously, getting the playoff is the most important thing. So, therefore, you'd almost rather the players, if they were going to get booked, get booked against Moldova to miss Denmark, so we've got them for the first playoff game, regardless yeah. of where that playoff game is being played, because. Yeah, have it, having them for Denmark, there's, there's no guarantee that we get the positive result against Denmark anyway, even with yeah. those players playing. Yeah, definitely. Prioritise Moldova. And then the playoff, playoff game is the biggest one. So, yeah. yeah. All right, and I thought we were ending this on a cheery note, Gordon, so thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, on Friday night and we'll be back with a podcast to look back at it uh, over the weekend. So, yes, come on, Scotland. Let's get the job done. Podcast Network.